Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, this is it. The race for the top four in the Premier League and the final places in Europe was going to come down to the final day of the season. We will dissect all of those permutations on today's episode of the Gagan Pod. Take a look around Europe, which is also set for a thrilling finale. Karim Benzema is back in the France squad, so we'll whet your appetite with some Euros discussion. And the boys will have their favourite moments and memories of the Premier League season to wrap us up. So much to get into. Let's get started. Yes, hi everyone. Good to be with you for another episode of the Gagan Pod. David Wiener with you once again. Joined today by Jonah Luisi and Luke Wilkshire. And we have got so much to get stuck into. No guarantee our maths will be spot on because there are a lot of permutations across England and Europe that you're going to get the bean counters and calculators out because it is not so straightforward thanks to another crazy week of action. Much to get stuck into. John, you must be pumped. You love this time of year. Great to see you again. And wow, we've got a bit to discuss. It's even changed in the last 24 hours. Who knows what's going to happen by Sunday night? Yeah, this is the best time of the year. Normally, it's like a relegation fight that you look forward to or even uh, who's going to win the Premier League. But this year, it's all about Champions League and European football and uh, twists and turns. You know, who would have thought uh, five weeks ago, Liverpool will be challenging for the top four? Uh, What a turnaround, four wins in a row for them. Leicester... Did we call it, Luke? Did we call that a few months ago that they could choke? And then people go, nah, they won't choke again. <laughs> uh, I, I, back, I backed them. I'm, dis- I'm disappointed. I'm devastated for them. I, um, I did back them. Um, you know, I remember talking to Bridgie and I, I kept, I was riding every result they got. But yeah, they did have that little choke. And look, all credit to Liverpool and the form that they've shown in this running, that's for sure. Well, the thing is, Luke, you're not out of it. Your bet is not out of it. And, uh, you know, this time yesterday, um, the the, comp- the compilation or composition, I should say, of the seven teams going into Europe from the Premier League was actually different to what it is this time today, Thursday, as we were, of course, walk through all of that now. But you are not with your betting done and dusted just yet, Luke, because you never know what's going to happen. We're going to discuss all of that coming up shortly. But we will kick off with Liverpool 3, Burnley nil. It started off not so straightforward for them, John. Um, Chris Wood, in particular, had a great chance for Burnley. Only, but they got the job done. Firmino before half time. Uh, Nat Phillips, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain put them in the position where they want to be. They are back in the top four for the first time since I think Valentine's Day. They've struck their momentum at the right time. Yeah, they're scoring goals. That's the big thing. And and it's Firmino's come good at the right time of the season. That's That's been important because they've relied heavily on Salah to be the one that scores in the goals. It was good they had other goal scorers this morning. Um, yes, they did ride their luck with that Chris Wood chance at the beginning of the game. But 
you have to remember, it's not an easy place to go. I know they've lost 10 in a row at Turf Moor Burnley, but this is the first time the crowds were back in. And, and you know, that lift that the crowds can give you. And so it was a, you know, it, it wasn't a, an easy game for Liverpool. They actually were a little bit nervy at the start, but then after they deserved to win and they won comfortably in the end. And it sets them up nicely for the last game of the season. They, you know, I think they're out of the three teams, Chelsea, Leicester and Liverpool, they're the favourites to go through. They're, they're the ones that are playing at home against Palace. The other two have got very tricky games last game of the season. So Liverpool put themselves in an amazing position. And I, I have to say, look, it's not as good as winning the Premier League that he how he won it last year, but... All that they've been through this year, Luke, that, that they've uh, been able to recover and uh, and get through it. And if they make Champions League football, it, it, what a nice feeling it will be for Klopp. Uh, it'll be a success. You know, you think about the injuries they've had. It's been a tough year. There's no hiding from that fact uh, for Liverpool. And, you know, again, they talk about their resilience um, and never say die attitude within the squad and, and to come back the way they have. You know, I think, um, you know, I think the goal with Alisson scoring, hmm. epitomises it, you know, coming up to, to what he's been through personally also off the pitch with his family losing his father and to get a late winner, which was a massive, massive goal when you're going to look back on in this top four potential finish, which for me is there for them to lose. Um, you know, obviously playing Palace at home, you know, look, it's a, I think they'll look back and say, you know what, that's been a successful year and we've got, really got something hmm. to build on going into the next season. Yeah, that's interesting. You say Alison epitomizes with that character. Nat Phillips today, I mean, what is he? The, the, is that the, the 15th, um, being a bit exaggerating here, but the 15th strength um, partnership they've got at centre back? I mean, they have fought through a lot. And I was just debating with a Liverpool fan today who said um, it was a great achievement for them to make the top four. I said, you know what? Before the season, you'd say, no way. That's not even minimum expectations. But given the context, John, it is a great achievement. And I wonder in light of everything Klopp has done at Liverpool, um, going through with Nat Phillips, you know, as, as you sent her back along, you know, through the season, Ozan Kabak and, and others. Um, can you talk us through the context of the magnitude of what this achievement is by Jurgen Klopp? Well, all you have to look at is they're, they're two central defenders. Would they make any other Premier League team? starting 11 and uh, you know all the injuries they've got and uh, I don't think those players would play Premier League football in any other starting 11 team so I um, you have to say also with Henderson out you know Van Dyke we've spoken about uh, Gomez we haven't mentioned but you know what a massive loss he was and then just the, the whole disruptive season for them and you know it, it was difficult and so you can't underestimate what they're achieving if they do make the Champions League um, but but like Luke said about Allison, you know, what a story that is. If he didn't score that goal, you'd say their Champions League was probably over. Yeah. And, and and he pops up in the overtime, not even the last minute. It's that's, overtime. That's the old written in the stars on that one, Johnny. Oh. You know, I think, and, and the emotion. And, and look, that that for me was the moment when you go on, you know what, they're going to take that top four spot and, and they can only throw it away now in that last game against Crystal Palace at home. I remember five months ago, like they were asking Klopp, you know, what do you do to turn this around? What do you do? And he goes, hard work. You just have to keep on going. You have to keep on believing. It's just hard work. It's hard work. And that's what hard work gives you, that little bit of luck, that bit of fortune that uh, Alisson comes in the last minute and, and scores the goal 
like he did because um, that's just, you know, the, the, the work on the training field, that they're never giving up, the believing in what they're doing as a football club because, uh, you know, they could have easily thrown in the towel, said everything went against us this year. Uh, we're not going to make top four. We'll uh, build for next season, but they haven't. And, uh, and now they're in a good position. Brilliant. So, Luke, how good is it with fans? I mean, I even noticed that we'll talk about Chelsea Leicester in a second. I think it changed the whole dynamic of Chelsea's pace of play in the first half at Stamford Bridge. Oh, my goodness. Not that we forgot, but you don't know what it's got to you gone. It's so good to have them back. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I think if you ask any player who's playing there now, they've, they've grown, a, you know, an extra inch, um, you know, to have those supporters back and the atmosphere again. And you're active, you really feel like you're playing for someone. Um, so that's phenomenal to see, you know, and even as a viewer watching it from here, from a distance on, on TV, um, it makes a difference, you know? So that, look, that's why I was surprised actually with, um, Liverpool with the, the win against Burnley because Burnley, that's a massive lift for them having their supporters back. And like Johnny mentioned, 10 consecutive losses at home. Um, you know, that's, that's tough. And those supporters coming back would have been disappointed for it, but the whole round, I think everyone wants to see those stadiums full again and enjoying the beautiful game. It's amazing, Luke, how you said that uh, everyone grows, you know, an inch with the supporters and, uh, you know, Timo Werner, he mentioned that, you know, the first two minutes uh, yesterday when he turned in the middle of the field mm-hmm. and he started going and the, and the supporter just gave him a massive lift and he, yeah. and he felt this adrenaline in him for, for a while after that. But um, it can also go the other way. What about Reguillon this morning for Tottenham, you know, scoring an own goal and then giving the ball away twice in the same sequence to concede the second goal he would have wanted to hide because the fans were on his back <laughs> and then Dyer's giving the ball away and then it's just it's just a nightmare sometimes when things aren't going well the supporters can also make it difficult. Well Spurs have been lucky to an extent that they've been able to censor their fans a little bit this season Look, we'll, we'll, we'll go straight on to that now we'll come back to the top four in in a moment because uh, Spurs of course was the other what was one of the other big games on Thursday morning going down at home 2-1 to Aston Villa and you mentioned that John I mean the fans booed they booed multiple times this was a chastening day for Tottenham who had their chairman Daniel Levy before the game write uh, an open letter saying we've lost out we lost our way we've lost sight of things at the club in recent times you had that comical own goal where honestly I mean you couldn't have a more fitting exhibition of an own goal for the 1000th Premier League own goal in history. And then to go down 2-1 at home when you're fighting for a Europa League spot for next season. And then the images of Harry Kane after the game on his own, walking around the stadium. Like, I'm not sure at home things can actually get much worse than that. No, that's the thing. You know, we are discussing, uh, myself and Luke, about the whole situation, about the Mourinho sacking. You know, Levy saying that they lost their way. Well, they started to lose their way when they sacked Pochettino. You know, they, they, that's when they lost their way. And then, and then they go and bring Mourinho in. Mourinho is a top manager. He'll bring results, yes, to most clubs that he's been at. He's, he's uh, got results. But is, was that the Tottenham way, the way he likes to play football? Um, so that, that, that's another bad signing. And then you go and sack him when you do three or four days before a cup final. Um, and, and this time of the season, when you're still challenging, not only for Europa League, but he was challenging still for Champions League. All right, there was a little bit of a gap there. Why do it then? That, that, and, and I understand the fans getting annoyed and singing for Levy to leave because, uh, you know, he's the one that made the decisions along with the board. And so, you know, they can't be happy. Then, then there's no manager that wants to go there. 
You know, well, what do they do? Kane wants to leave. As a supporter, you must be thinking, what is going on at this football club? It's a schmozzle. Yeah, and, and you, you nailed it there, Johnny. I think, um, you know, when, when they sack Pochettino, when he's gone and, and Mourinho, okay, Mourinho's coming in and you think, okay, he's going to come and win things because that's what Mourinho does and that's what they hoped. But again, it wasn't their way and the, you saw the way the, the team was playing, I guess how the players were and but to sack him just before a cup final and and is just ludicrous. And it's Levy who's who's lost his way for me. Um, whether he was trying to flex against Mourinho with that decision, I don't know. But, um, you know, it definitely wasn't the right decision and they're suffering from that now. And, you know, really potential of missing out on Europe altogether, which I do believe they will, having the, you know, to win their last game away at Leicester. So it's going to be very interesting weekend coming up. So the flex there, John, is is Kane. Uh, obviously, Levy, he doesn't have to sell Kane. He can hold on to him and he can play that power He's game. Kane, Kane, Kane cannot looking, stay. And Kane looking at the saying goodbye to the fans, very publicly almost bringing the rumours that were leaked during the week. He brought them to the cameras. He brought them to the fore at the end of that game. That was a goodbye, isn't it? He is now, first and foremost, the first domino of this summer's transfer window, surely. The first thing is you don't know what's in Kane's contract. If if he doesn't make Champions League, is it in his contract that he's uh, able to leave? That, that, that's the first thing. Um, the second one is do you want to keep hold of an unhappy player? Um, and, and you know, like Levy could like flex his muscles and say, yeah, I don't want him to go. But Kane's he's pushing it now. He's pushing because you don't leak a story. That story does not leak if Kane didn't want it to leak. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Ryan Mason was, uh, you know, put in an uncomfortable position. I don't want to be talking about, you know, individuals. He said it before the game. He said it after the game. That means that there's, there's something there. And, and that, that goodbye from Kane by himself, no other players around him, the emotion in his eyes, um, I think he's got in his head that he's gone at the end of this season. And who can blame him? He wants to win trophies. He loves the football club. But if he wasn't performing, do you think the football club would look after him? You know, at the end of the day, you have to do what you believe is right. He wants to win. And um, and I think he will go to a Premier League club. I don't think he will leave the Premier League. I think he will stay in England because he knows the league very well. He's still got records to break in terms of goal scoring achievements. Plus, he wants to win trophies. Let's be honest, Johnny. Now, nowadays, and you're given the situation when Harry Kane signed his last, last deal, absolutely no doubt there is a clause in there that if they do not have Champions League football, that he's free to leave for X amount of dollars or whatever it may be. But 100% certain that there is a clause in there. And I think a lot of the top top players around the world have that clause in their contract that they are free to leave. Not free to leave as such, but able to seek a, Options, yeah. a, an option there. Because, yeah, these, these kind of players need to be playing Champions League football. And you can't have Harry Kane not playing any European football. What I loved, Luke, is uh, listening to Solskjaer, listening to Guardiola. Um, uh, Tuchel hasn't really mentioned much, but those two have sort of mentioned that doesn't mean we're not going to go get a number nine. You know, as, yeah. <laughs> we have Torres, as, but or we have Cavani, but yeah, yeah, and, and so that means that there must be some talk going on. They're, 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 the agents uh, or whoever's working for Kane, I think have already spoken to those two clubs and probably Chelsea. I think they're the three. Um, and it's in the end, it's wherever Kane thinks that he's going to be best suited to Manchester, winning trophies. Manchester City. That would suit Aguero. Go on now. I think 
Kane to come and slot straight in there would be ideal. But you even think, um, look, Man United desperately need another striker, I think. Um, but uh, Chelsea, you know, Chelsea, uh, watching them again yesterday, Dave, they, they, they were dominant, very dominant. I actually thought the intensity was was brilliant that first half. And, and I think the fans helped with that as well. Um, but they just lacked that that final third to, to really kill off teams. And, uh, you know, so I actually think they're desperate for a number nine. He, he obviously, he's not really convinced about uh, Tammy Abraham. He, he doesn't play Giroud. He's playing Werner or Havertz as that, that central striker. I actually think that the, they might even break the bank, Luke. And it depends if Kane wants to go there. Yeah, go, will he go across London? Like, is that too close to home? And, and you mentioned that clause, Luke. I mean, obviously, they're not in the Champions League uh, uh, this year. But he probably thought, I'll give Mourinho the benefit of the doubt. I'll give the club benefit of the doubt. It takes a, I think it's taken a lot for him to want to leave. Yep. But I was listening to uh, on a goal rush on Off the Sport this morning, uh, Michael Owen and Steve McManaman basically describing this is rock bottom at a club who are in a toxic situation. So I think it's taken that extent for him to go, you know what? I am going to exercise my options right here. And you've both thrown up two uh, very tasty options. Uh, so, so Manchester City for Luke. Chelsea, a good option for John. Hey, you'd be happy be, with that, won't you, Dave? Huh? I'd be delighted with that. <laughs> but I also wonder, and we'll touch on a Europe, uh, a European rap uh, a bit a bit later on, but does Kane's um, value go up a little bit now with Dortmund having qualified for the Champions League? Maybe are they more of a chance of holding on to Erling Haaland? Like how much does that change the stakes in this Kane game? It's definitely changed that I actually think that they won't sell um, Haaland now unless a ridiculous offer comes in. And the, and most of the clubs haven't got the money for a ridiculous offer. Mm. Let's be honest. It will take another year or two before that comes in. And I don't think Haaland's in too much of a hurry either. I think he's looking at it and going, you know what? I can stay another season at Dortmund, play another season of Champions League football. The, the end of the season would have given him confidence that with the new manager coming in, you know, that they, they might be able to challenge for the title uh, next season. I still think they, they won't challenge Bayern Munich, but um, they're, they're there. And so I think he will stay. I, I actually think this has, you know, uh, opened up the door for Kane to move to one of the big clubs. That could be interesting. No, I think, you know, obviously with this little merry-go-round of, of nines that are happening, obviously where are going. So Man City are in the, in the market. If, say, for example, Kane was to go to, to Chelsea, would Man City then go and break the bank for Haaland? Or vice versa. Mm. It or, could be, uh, you know, that, that they're both sort of after him. Or Man United. You can't throw Man United away. They're in, they're in that uh, little roundabout as well. So it's going to be a very interesting summer. But oh, I'd love to see Haaland in the Premier League though too. It's a, it's a very cheeky. It, I always feel very cheeky talking about transfer rumours, but you can't not here because it's going to be such a big part of what the football world looks like afterwards. And it's going to dominate the Euros too because, you know, this is going to be storyline all over England. Harry Kane doesn't want this to derail England's prospects too because he's going to be front and centre there and this will, this will certainly be a talking point through that. So very much one to watch. That is interesting because with um, Southgate leading into the Euros, that does he have a, a chat with Kane and said, "Look, sort out your future before for the Euros, you know, before yeah. we, we because you don't want it hanging over our head, you don't want it to be disruptive." Um, but then you know, Kane, he, he's he's it's not really changed his form. He, he might say, "Look, I'm just going to wait and see what the because it is a bit of a rush. There's only a week before the Euro starts after the the season finishes, so it's um it's an interesting one for him how they actually." play that one 
Well, we'll know if you were right, John, about them having talked to starting discussions already, because if it happens in the next week, then they've been working on this for a little while already. So we'll see how that all plays out. You guys mentioned Chelsea and Leicester, and that is a really important uh, segue into the, look, the absolute logjam. We've got Liverpool, who've now put themselves in a really, really good position. It's Leicester against Tottenham. Leicester on 66 points. Liverpool against Crystal Palace. Liverpool on 66 points. Aston Villa against Chelsea. Chelsea on 67 points. From what you guys saw from Chelsea, Leicester, from Liverpool this morning, update us on where you think that's going to finish off. <laughs> as, you just, as you just said it, mate, I think um, you know it's Liverpool's to throw away against Palace. I think Chelsea in the form they're in, um, you know, we'll do Villa and, and obviously the Leicester Tottenham one is a is a tough game for me. Could end up a draw, but I think um, think Liverpool get that fourth spot. Uh, Chelsea in third, and Leicester having had a fantastic season yet again, just fall short yet again. How great is it though that they all have to win? A point, it doesn't guarantee any team. Um, so, look, the, the, the Villa one is a, is a tricky one because Villa playing in front of their home fans, Grealish, you know, trying to actually still uh, show that he's fit enough to get into the England national team for the Euro. Um, you know, oh, look, they've had a decent season. They dropped off when Grealish was injured, but they've had a decent season. Good win, um, you know, in their last game. So it, it's one of those ones, you know, do they actually upset Chelsea that, that, that's the thing that you don't know what's going to happen because Chelsea I with the form they were in against Leicester last game you think that they would do the job against Villa because I, I thought they were really good Kante is a big loss is he going to be out for the not only the last game but the Champions League um, but you know I can't wait because it, it, it just it's one of those ones that it will change as the game is going on. We, we know that's going to happen because it always happens that, you know, the, the, the 80th minute, there'll be a certain top four and it could change in the last 10 minutes of that game. I'll tell you what, a very, the very wise head of, and calm head of Optusport, John, you said after Chelsea and Real Madrid in the semifinals, said, let's not get ahead of ourselves. They've been brilliant today, but what if they miss out on the top four, lose the FA Cup final and lose the Champions League final? <laughs> And I went and I went and dropped my head for a few seconds and stopped the show at that point. But Luke, it, it was a good point. And, and now it's still not impossible that might happen. Is it going to happen? You're you're pretty comfortable, Chelsea. There. Did you see? And what did you see in the turnaround from the FA Cup to midweek to go that they're going to uh, get this secured? Because it's still not easy for Chelsea putting teams away and scoring goals at this point, as solo defensively as they are. No, it's not. But but if you if you look at the performances, um, even the cup final, the performance, um, you know, and that can happen in cup finals. But and like like Johnny touched on that 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 win against Leicester, um, bouncing back after the disappointment of the cup final, was was phenomenal for me and showed great character, um, resilience within the squad and, and real determination, belief in still what they're doing because it's easy to to drop your bundle and feel sorry for yourself. Uh, they got a lot to play for. Um, you know, that win against Leicester was fantastic, but it counts for nothing if they don't go and beat Aston Villa now and secure that top four finish. Um, and should they not, then you think then about the morale going into the Champions League final after throwing away the cup final and then missing out on the top four. Then, then, then yeah, that'll be a real pick-me-up for the Champions League final. Come on, you guys. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, They, they were good, though, yesterday, John. I know it still took some work to get the goals, but the first half was 
as sharp as I think I've seen for a long time. Yeah, I think Pulisic made a difference uh, putting him back in the starting eleven. I, I think that uh, you know just in it, uh, look, Ziyech is is a top player, um, but I, I think Pulisic gave him that little bit more. And um, Mason Mount was outstanding again. Uh, Werner had his. Werner game, you know. <laughs> that was the was Werner gonna, game. Didn't he, didn't he come out and say it's his most unlucky season ever? Oh, <laughs> you know what? He doesn't give the supporter a lot of confidence when he comes out. This is just the unluckiest season I've ever had. It, so, you know, sorry, I was just unlucky this year. How much did he cost? <laughs> oh, sorry, it was just an unlucky year. A hard-working oh, £53 million pound striker. <laughs> look, I, I love his runs. I do love his his movement, his work rate. You know, when he loses the ball, he's, you know, there was one time that he lost the ball and he chased back and he, and he won the ball and the crowd actually appreciated it. Um, but on the goals that he would disallowed, you know, the first one, he, he needs to realise that he's in an offside position. He could just hold his run a little bit or just come back onside a little bit. That That's just a, sort of a lack of awareness and confidence in, in just thinking, you know what, if I get the ball uh, good, if I don't, it, it's not going to really cost me. But um, then the handball, I, I actually started to feel for him because I started to think, what's going to go right for him? Should have had a penalty in the first half. I was going to text you, Dave, and I was going to go, what <laughs> what ladder did he walk under? How many mirrors has he broken? <laughs> thankfully, but then thankfully, he gets the penalty in the second half. Well, thankfully, uh, you, you did choose your moments, and it was the Ayozi Perez miss that you, oh. you, you did because that was, that was hard in mouth stuff. And that's how close Chelsea came to getting punished for for missing those chances. Yeah, yeah, and and I I spoke about it before the Real Madrid tie. I thought that them missing so many chances could cost them, and they won't win the you know the, the Champions League because of that. But look, they put themselves in a wonderful position to win the Champions League, getting to the final. But yeah, they, they nearly got punished for not taking their chances because the game should have been over at half time. It should have been three nil. The game over at Leicester, not even in the game because they weren't in the game. But then you give them a bit of life. Fianacho scores a goal and that Perez miss, oh, that will be haunting them if they do not make Champions League because that was, for his quality, that was a sitter. That was one of those moments where you actually just like you, you, you're gripping what you're, what you're sitting on and you just, you can, you see the ball bulging in the back of the net as the ball is played across to him. So as a fan, that was heart and mouth stuff. And that's what this time of the season is all about. It's really, really exciting. And look, Brendan Rogers, Luke, I thought was really interesting after the game because he said, no, if this happens again to us, or we miss out on the final day. He goes, we've got the eighth biggest budget in the competition. We've had a great season. I mean, Deep down, he would be spewing if they miss out. But that was a really good reality check and a good way to keep his team calm in public. But if they are the ones to miss out, or, or I guess out of the three teams that are still a chance to miss out, I know you've both said that Chelsea and Liverpool will make it. Who has who, who Who's going to suffer the most if they do miss out? Who is it most important that they absolutely cannot miss out on the top four um, based on the, you know, the, 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 the rewards that you get if you do make it? Yeah, well, obviously, Brendan Rodgers, he's, he's been around and there's clever comments. and But I think that's he's kept it realistic for them the, the whole way through. Um, naturally, they'd be disappointed because they're so close yet again and pro- possibly deserve to be there. Um, but you'd think that Chelsea and Liverpool is a must to be in the in the Champions League. Leicester have had a fantastic year again. And, and you could, like you said, eighth biggest budget. Um, and to see where they are and where they're challenging and to win an FA, FA Cup um, is massive for them. 
So they're going to look back and reflect and say, what a, what a fantastic year and, and that budget and they're punching above their weight. And that, that's the reality of it. Um, and they always will be. They're not going to be the spenders like the rest of them. But, you know, that's credit to Brendan Rogers and what he's done in the squad. He's assembled and the way the unity that they have to be able to be challenging that top four. Yeah, that, yeah you, you look at Liverpool who, you know, have a few players they might want to sell or bring in and Chelsea who are chasing, you know, potentially Kane or Haaland. Um, the, the consequences and the stakes are quite different for both those teams well, you, in terms you, of, of what you, you don't want see to Leicester going to chase those players and, and the players that Leicester are trying to chase are not players who are desperate for Champions League football, are they? Mm. So, you know, there's there's a big difference there. And, what and on what that, Leicester have been able to do in, in the, the players that they've sold over the it, last yeah, five yeah. seasons and still be competitive and put themselves in the position, their recruitment is uh, second to none. It's probably, uh, if not the best, one of the best in the Premier League and uh, and what they still do with those players. Chelsea need to make it because if they do not make it, and, and again, I don't want to put a dampener on things, uh, Dave, but they, they sacked Lampard because they brought in Tuchel to make mm. Champions League football. Mm. If they mm. don't make it, that, that's a massive fail for them. So, you know, Liverpool, if they don't make it, yes, it, it will cause them a few issues for the next year or whatever in terms of the money they bring in or signings they might make. But people will understand them not making or just missing out uh, because of the season, you know, in terms of injuries. But Chelsea not making it with the money they spend in the summer, they need to make mm. it. It's easy to forget. Well, sorry, it's not easy to forget, but just with how, how poor they had gone under Lampard and where Tuchel had to bring them up from, Chelsea outlaid a r- ridiculous amount of money coming into this season. And in fact, you can now say that that outlay has taken them a long way to the Champions League final. Obviously, other elements too. But given the amount they spent, that's the context. We spoke about Liverpool's context earlier, given that their top four achievement is a big deal given where their injuries were. For Chelsea, it's par for the course because of how much they spent. They need to be there. And uh, for Leicester, with my completely objective hat on, it was nice to see them win some silverware, win the FA Cup, because given what they've done since they won the league, Kante, Mares, Chilwell, Maguire, selling those players off and still being right up there, bringing Rodgers in, it's a, that's one of the great stories in the Premier League because they've shown that with some good structure and management, you can actually compete with the big guys still. So we'll see what happens with the top four on the weekend, but that's not what's all up for grabs because you've got the Europa League. You've also got the Conference League, which if you haven't heard of, I don't blame you. It's Europe's third tier competition, which seventh place in the Premier League will qualify for. Is it a blessing? Is it a curse? I'll ask you guys in a second, but ultimately what you might have is a Tottenham or an Arsenal not making Europe when there is a third tier competition to qualify for. So that's quite remarkable. As it stands, after West Ham's 3-1 win against West Brom on Thursday morning, they will make Europe because they are in to the sixth place. They hold the cards for the Europa League right now, ahead of Tottenham, who are in seventh. Everton and Arsenal are alive. Tottenham are on 59 points. Everton, 59 points. Arsenal, 58 points. Heading into the final day. I told you there's a lot of information to take in. Here we are, 1 a.m. on Sunday, well, Monday morning, guys. All the games simultaneously. We know Spurs go to Leicester. Everton go to Manchester City. Arsenal host Brighton. There's a lot to take in. Fifth, sixth, seventh. Who 
makes Europe in the Premier League, John and Luke. John, to you first. Well, Leicester, obviously, and, and uh, West Ham, uh, they're in Europe. It just depends on West Ham whether they make Europa League um, or they're there playing in the Conference uh, League. The Conference, it reminds me of the Vauxhall Conference with the non-league football. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind, isn't it, Johnny? I was thinking the same. Do you really want to be playing in the Conference League? <laughs> But look, I think Arsenal and Spurs will take anything, even Everton. If it's European football, it doesn't matter if it's a third-tier European competition. You know, if they are able to win a trophy in Europe, it's a trophy won in Europe. So, um, but, you know, you can see all three teams probably not getting points on the last day um, because, you know, Arsenal, it's a tricky game against Brighton. You know, Brighton are a tough team, play good football, got a great win against Man City. You know Man why City. that is, Johnny? You know why you don't fancy Arsenal? Because they just had a good performance and win against Burnley away from home. <laughs> yeah. And they can't do that twice in a row, can they? The consistency. Well, yeah, no, it was against, against Palace this morning. Yeah, it Palace. was uh, Yeah, it was one of those ones that uh, they found the way to win, Luke. Finally, yeah. they found the way to win in terms of not always playing well and then, you know, winning. Um, but, you know, that's a good sign for Arteta. Look, I, I think even if they don't make Europe, I think the end of the season that they've had will give Arteta and probably the club a little bit of confidence moving forward. But, um, I, you know, it's still a fail if they don't make Europe. Uh, you got you got to look at that and look at the, the games that they've got. And, you know, I, I think Arsenal are probably the best chance, I think. Tottenham going away to Leicester when Leicester are desperate. Um, still also for the three points is going to be a tough game. Um, I can't see Tottenham, especially after seeing the performance uh, this morning, to go and get anything there at Leicester. If, if anything, a draw. Um, so I think Arsenal potentially can, can sneak it in. Um, and obviously Everton going away to Manchester City. Uh, it's a tough one for them as well. So I think the, the best chance there is potentially Arsenal and Arteta saving the season somewhat with a little bit of a positive and a good way to finish it and potentially give them something to build on going into next year. But isn't it great? All those three teams need to win. It, it, again, a draw is not enough. A, a, a win guarantees, uh, you know, a spurs of making, um, you know, European football. But if they draw against Leicester and Leicester need to win, yeah. so it, it, it makes it for a, it's sort of like one of those those cup final games that, uh, you know, that, that both teams oh, have is. to go at it. Yeah, so, it you, you know, you're going to be, uh, it's going to be open. Um, and, and, you know, especially the last 20 minutes, you, you, both teams will be pushing for Here's it. one, Johnny. So if you're Harry Kane now at Tottenham and you're going away there and you want now, and this, potentially you lose this game and you've got absolutely nothing, it's, it's an easier way out. No, it's an easier conversation to say, look, we didn't even make the conference. Yeah. You want me to stay here? Yeah. Hey, look, it would be an easier conversation, but knowing that what Harry Kane would be like, he would want to finish on a high in his last game and against a former club where he was out on loan to as well. So I think that, um, you know, I think that he'll want to finish on a, on a high and score goals. I still think he'll want, it. he'll want out. Probably not an easier conversation if they make European football. I tell you what, depending on how results do go, they can't make Europe, but Leeds could potentially finish above a combination of Everton and Arsenal and potentially on the same points as Tottenham. Now that's, talk about toxic feelings at Tottenham and Arsenal underachieving and needed to rebuild. That is remarkable by Leeds. Yeah, they've had an amazing last three months of the season. 
You know, the, the, the points that they picked up, um, you know, against the top sides, but also the wins they're getting against the sides around them. Um, I think what's been a big difference, you know, at the start of the season, everyone's... Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Talking about the great football that they played and uh, this and that, but they were still missing some players. You know, the, the, I think Llorente at the back has been a massive in for them since they've had him in the side, their defense has tightened up quite a bit. They went through a period without Calvin Phillips, who's one of their best players and he's so influential in the way they play. You know what? It leads, you know, you talk about Man City being one of the form teams and the teams that everyone loves watching. Mm. I think Leeds, people love watching Leeds. Even if you don't like Leeds as a supporter, you like watching the way they play. So that's the style. That's the way they play. They play without fear. They, mm-hmm. they play open, they play attack, and they play aggressive. They play on the front foot, and that's what people want to see. And I think they've been a, a breath of fresh air in the Premier League. Uh, you know, and look at teams that are coming up um, and to approach it like that and really take it head on, uh, I think it's been fantastic. And they've got their, their, their rewards for it. You know, what a fantastic season. Um, one of the best teams to watch. You enjoy watching them unless your team's playing them when it is unless it is very <laughs> stressful. Now they play West Brom on the last day, which will be the farewell for Sam Allardyce, who announced to his team this morning after their loss to West Ham that he will not be going down to the championship with them. They led one nil at home to West Ham, but let's salute David Moyes' side, who will make Europe after Suchek's goal, Ogbonna and Antonio ran it out the three-one win. It's a shame they fell off from the Champions League pursuit. But like we were saying with Leicester, context here, with Leeds remarkable, Leicester punching above their weight, West Ham right up there as one of the stories of the season. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that uh, it is the story of the season in terms of where they came from. They, 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 they just avoided relegation on the last day mm. last season. So that, that's an incredible story, how he's able to turn, and without too many signings either. Uh, you know, he, he signed a couple of players, but they've been really good. I, I think he's found that balance in terms of, uh, you know, defensively they're, they're quite good, but they also got some great attacking players and their midfield is probably one of the better midfields in, in the Premier League. You know, with Suchek, Rice, he's just come back. Uh, and then going forward, they've got players that can hurt teams. So I, I, I've loved watching West Ham this season. I think it's a, it's a massive achievement for them. And, um, you know, they, they deserve to be in the European position. So Premier League final day, it all finishes one at start the round, the season finishes this Monday morning, starting at 1 a.m., all 10 games simultaneous on Optus Sport. Countdown to kick off to give you a little bit of a taste at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Standard Time on Sunday night. You have a little nap after that and then get up for all the action or you can watch it on demand the next day, of course. So to confirm for anyone absolutely confused by us having our calculator and Mr. Squiggleboards out trying to work out who's going to finish that where, it sounds like one, two, three, four. 
Manchester City, Manchester Arsenal, Manchester City, Manchester Arsenal, Manchester, Manchester City, Manchester United, a combination. What was that? Manchester Arsenal. That was a, that was an aberration. I've gone back 15 years. Especially um, when it's around one and two and yeah, three. No, that's, that's remarkable. Um, third and fourth, a combination of Liverpool and Chelsea. Fifth and sixth, probably Leicester and West Ham with seventh. So you've gone Arsenal, Luke, Arsenal. and John, yep. you've gone Arsenal as well. Yeah, look, looking at the final day fixtures, I think Arsenal probably will get the win and the others will, won't will get the win. Yeah. There you have it. Speaking of Manchester Arsenal or Manchester United, as they're probably known when you're not bloody spilling all over your words, just before we will have you guys in for the uh, Europa League final this time next week, Thursday against Villarreal uh, with Heather Garriock as well. Um, I'm interested about the fallout from here. They've obviously haven't had a lot to play for in the league in the last couple of weeks, but... Cavani has shown his importance, but I think the biggest selection Solskjaer is going to have going into next Thursday is Henderson and De Gea. And publicly, he's been very cagey on that. What do you think he's going to do, Luke? Because I think it could almost, we talk about the striking merry-go-round in the transfer market in the European summer. This selection here could be quite influential as well. It will be. Um, you know, look, Henderson's been, been in good form. I think, um, you know, this is, it's a tricky one because should he go with Henderson, I'm pretty sure you're going to see the guy looking to, to go out the door um, in the summer because he, he won't want to be playing second fiddle. So this is a, um, yeah, watch this space. It's a, it's a big decision for him in, in this game because he's going to make it very clear who he sees as his number one going forward. I think he might go to Haya, John. I think he's lost a bit of faith with Henderson. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he'll go to Hale. I think the Hale, with his experience in like these sort of games, um, you know, and that's what you need. You need someone that's going to give you confidence, but not only you, but the actual uh, the players around them. So I think that he will make that decision. It doesn't necessarily mean, Luke, you know, that he will stick with him for next season. I think in this game here, as a manager, you want to go, okay, I'm going to go with someone that I can at least trust that he's been there before. He won't buckle under the, you know, the, the atmosphere of the game, the pressures of that game. But um, they're not going in good form, are they? they I know what we're, you're saying, Dave, about them having nothing to play for, but you, you still got a, a European final to play for so you want to go in good form you don't want to be just going in you know thinking oh how are we going to perform on that last game and uh, Solskjaer hasn't looked too confident in his interviews after the last two games he's he's actually been down because he knows that that's not that's not a good sign uh, I, I agree Johnny I think um, you know obviously they had that condensed schedule um, which was hectic but they've had probably for the last two three weeks just that eye on the final and he's probably looking at how he's trying to balance and manage his players um, in terms of their loads and to be fresh and ready to go for this final. But do you say he's got it right when they're not going in with a consistent form and good form um, going into it? I, I, I don't know. And I think that the fact that the way the last three games have gone leaves them with that little bit of doubt in their mind. They're not going in with, with, with full confidence. The only thing that can actually um, give him a little bit of confidence that he can rotate his side for this game on the weekend and freshen him up for the final, mm. um, Villarreal can't afford to do that. Villarreal uh, just outside the European position, Europa League position, uh, one point behind Real Betis. And they've got Real Madrid in their last game of the season. So it's it's one of those ones that they probably won't afford to to 
to rotate too much. Man United can and freshen it up a bit, but they won't be going with confidence, that's for sure, after the last two or three performances. So, John, you know exactly what we're going to talk about next then because you've just moved seamlessly into La Liga, which I know you would have been glued to on uh, Monday morning because if we talk about the Premier League having theatre, not only does the La Liga have theatre, but dripping with storylines on Monday morning, of course, Luis Suarez scores the goal that makes Barcelona mathematically out of the title race. And it looks like after a few weeks of saying who is going to win it, it looks like it's going to be Atleti. Will, will they hold on? They've been they've been top, yeah. uh, I think, since October. Look, they should win it. You think that they will win it? They've got Valdez in the last game of the season. Uh, Valdez a fighting relegation. They desperately need to win this game because they're two points off of safety. And uh, that's Ronaldo, um, the Brazilian Ronaldo's team. He owns that club. He's the president of that that club. And uh, you know you don't want to see them go down, but. Um, what a bad decision from Barcelona to let Suarez go. <laughs> I can't what? believe this still. You, you know, the thing is, I understand if you want to freshen things up and you got someone to bring in. They did not bring in a number nine. They, did, they, they didn't sign a number nine. So you let Suarez go to your rivals, one of your rivals. Allow him to go to another European country. Don't allow I think to that, sign. I think that's what's going to hurt them the most when they oh. look back on that is that they let it go to one of their rivals and then to go on and rub that salt in the wounds. Like say, let him go to Europe somewhere else, go to the Premier League, go somewhere, yeah. anywhere, but not to be able to go back and really hurt them. And, and he has done and full and credit to him. Yeah, you know what? It was brilliant to watch on the weekend. They were playing my ex-club, Osasuna. And Suarez, was he had chance after chance after chance. But you knew that he was not going to hide away. He was going to keep going. They went 1-0 down against the run of play. And then they clawed their way back, went to 1-1. And with five minutes to go, who pops up? Suarez, uh, you know, after being unlucky, you know, Werner's unlucky means that it's never going to fall right for him. Suarez unlucky is that I'm going to turn it into luck. Yeah. And and, uh, and he did. And then he, he went nuts. And so they're in a great position. They're in a great position. But you can't write off Real Madrid because they've been mm-hmm. in these situations many times before. And somehow it can fall for them. And if they win... They can actually uh, finish top. They got a tough game in Villarreal, um, but it looks like it will be Zidane's last game. There's there's big big talk that Zidane will be leaving. Um, there's talk maybe Juventus. That, mm. That's the that's the story in Italy, but also in uh, in Spain, and um, that Allegri or the legendary Raúl, mm. who was a, a big star at Real Madrid, who's who's coaching their second team at the moment, will take over. And, and look, they need some change. They, they, they need to change something. And I'm not saying that Zidane's the one to, to, to actually leave, but he feels himself that it's time for him to leave. So um, that's, that's one of the other subplots in, in La Liga. The other one is Barcelona. You know, how they've bloody – they just – gone off the rails in the last month losing all these games and you just go to lose it was theirs oh, to lose you, you just you just scratch your head and uh, and Kuman probably coached himself out of a gig uh, uh, there's talk that he's gone at the end of the season now and um, I feel for him because he's being put in a difficult situation this season but you know Barcelona's Barcelona they need to be uh, winning titles have they been taught a lesson by Diego Simeone? It's a pretty cool redemption story, given that maybe people thought maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, possibly that he might have 
exhausted his time at Atleti, taking them to as far as they could, as he could. But he, he I know they've been clinging on in recent weeks, but it, it, he's reinvented them as well. This is a fabulous story in its own right. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, Simeone. Look, they 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 question him, but that happens with every manager. It happens. It becomes people just want change sometimes, and and supporters want change. And they hadn't won a title, well, La Liga for I think it was a good ten years, something like that. And so you know the. the but what he's been able to do at that football club, when he arrived, they weren't. They were so far away from being title contenders. They were so far away from making Champions League finals, and he's turned them into a powerhouse in Spain. Um, and you know, I think that he deserves all the credit. He uh, and if they do win the title, you know, he he will look back and go, probably this one is just, probably even more important than the one he won all those years ago. Across the continent, Luke, if uh, Mauricio Pochettino can't uh, manufacture a final day um, triumph that gets them and results go his way too and gets them into the uh, winning league, they won the cup Thursday morning, so he's got a major trophy. They beat Monaco with Icardi and Mbappe getting the goals. But what happens to Pochettino if he can't claim league with Paris Saint-Germain who trail Lille by one point? Monaco are two points behind PSG. Um, and uh, look, PSG play Brest on uh, the weekend, but Lille play Angers. Um, so it's no guarantee that uh, the results will go PSG's way either. No, I think um, there's every chance that it won't. Uh, you know, this Angers against Lille and Lille, uh, the form they've been in, you know, and they're there for a reason. PSG have, have slipped up uh, too many times. Obviously, they've got the, the cup trophy, but is that enough for Pochettino? I don't know. You, you know, normally that's a walk in the park. To, to win the league there. But what a story about Lille. Lille in 2017-18, they finished 17th and were nearly relegated. And now to come and to, to be on top of the, the powerhouse of PSG um, by one point going into the last game of the season is phenomenal. And I dare say that they will um, take it out. And, and I think it would be a great story. And I, I would love to see it because, you know, when you, when you look at the mites of PSG, but... Um, you know, full credit to them. But, yeah, Pochettino and his future, yeah, let's see, because he couldn't deliver the Champions League either. You think um, is the, the French Cup enough? I don't know, Johnny, is it? Uh, look, they might give him time because he, he signed, uh, you know, during the season. And, uh, look, they, they have been a little bit up and down. I, I agree that they've thrown away too many points. Lille's given them a lifeline by drawing with Saint-Étienne uh, last weekend. And, um, you know, so there's no guarantee they're going to beat Angers uh, in their last game of the season. And, you know, PSG could turn around and win it. I think that uh, they'll still keep hold of Pochettino. I think that the, the Neymar signing, I think Pochettino had a lot to to do with that and and so they will look at that and say okay we'll, we'll give him the opportunity if they don't win the uh, Liga uh, on the weekend but uh, that, that's still a lot to play for that one because I agree with you what Lille's been able to do from the position they were in the players they've sold in the last two seasons as well and still be able to compete and and probably they're in the box seat to win uh, the, the, the competition it is an amazing story because they haven't got the money. I'd love, the to see the, I'd love to see the difference in the budget between Lille and PSG. Oh. <laughs> I would love to see the breakdown of that. <laughs> I don't know it off the top of my head, but we do have a fantastic uh, piece on the Off the Sport app written by Jake Rosengarden a couple of weeks ago who looked at Lille, the, the disparity between the two teams. Uh, the co- I mean, the composition between the, the, the pedigree of the players, it is a brilliant story. And I love seeing the under 
underdog story. It's nice to see the big guys get their feathers ruffled every now and then and a bit of a wake-up call that you know money does not always guarantee success, and you do love to see that. Um, across, across Europe, we mentioned a bit earlier, um, Dortmund are now in the top four, which looked quite improbable, but they will join Bayern, Leipzig, and Wolfsburg in the uh, Champions League from the Bundesliga with ironically Schalke who've been absolutely pathetic this year. Uh, Dortmund's bitter rivals actually doing the job against Frankfurt to seal their spot uh, last weekend with one match week to go. The interesting one, gents, is in Italy. Of course, we know Inter are celebrating the spoils, but Atalanta, Milan, Napoli and Juve battling it out for the final spots in Europe where Juve, who also won a trophy today, Thursday, with the Cup, uh, with a win over Atalanta, um, they're relying on other results, John. When they play Bologna, they are relying on other results to get into the Champions League. Mind-boggling. Yeah, well, the lucky thing they've got is Atalanta actually play Milan right, in the yeah. last game of the season. So that's not an easy game for Milan. And uh, Atalanta, a great team to, to watch. And, and they're, they're so devastating going forward so the, the, look I don't know what's um, if, if Juve don't make the Champions League you know and Zidane's available do they leave Pirlo and, and go with Zidane um, but you know it, it's uh, it's all to play for that last game of the season it will be disappointing for Milan who've had a very good season to drop out of the top four Napoli have had a great season to be in that position Juve haven't had a good season you know, it's just the way it is that you're there with when you're talking about money and what they've spent and, uh, you know, to be so far off of not only, you know, maybe not making top four, but to enter, like you're that far behind enter, that's a bad season. Yep, yep. No, I agree. And, you know, it's all to play for. I think Atalanta-Milan is a massive game and obviously all eyes will be on that from Juve. Milan need to win. Um Napoli taking on Verona, you'd, ex- you'd expect them to, to wrap up that, um, especially at home. So, interesting last day there in Serie A, which, which, is, which is always good to see. So, all eyes there and Juventus are disappointed. Could you imagine Ronaldo not playing Champions League football? Well, oh. the story, Luke, that um, the other day around midnight, they had um, the people that shift cars from their houses uh, coming all the way from Portugal and Ronaldo's, all his uh, his luxury cars, you can say, were getting put into a truck. Huh. Is that a sign that he's gone? Um, because you, he was there, standing there, watching the cars go onto this truck. So there's maybe, massive rumours. Maybe, maybe he's going into bankruptcy, you know, and he needs to flog him. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Ronaldo yeah. sniffs a fairy tale. Maybe he sniffs a homecoming as well. Uh, you never know. Maybe Zizou coming to Juve, does that convince him to stay? Jeez, I tell you what, we've raised a oh, few we've got topics some, we've got to talk about summer. in the next few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> coaches, goalkeepers, strikers, there's going to be a lot going on. And look, I think a lot will be um, clearer by when we see where Juventus finish in Dave, the next Dave, week. did you hear? I heard there was a, the latest rumour about um, potential Tottenham coach. <laughs> did you hear? Oh, I heard that. Not, not, you know, not the Edgeworth Edgeworth Given Eagles the form coach. of Ed, Edgeworth Eagles, the form they've been in at the moment, another <laughs> win on the weekend. I heard Michael Bridges in contention. <laughs> Did he post it that he won he, on the week? He weekend? posted it. A couple of players in team of the week and another one on goal of the week. Oh, brilliant, Bridgie. Brilliant. Maybe we should start up the rumours. Start up, start up the rumours and get Bridgie back over. Get up back over there. Um, gents, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Gagapod, which is the last non-match day edition of the season. 
I don't want to calculate the hours we've spent talking football this year um, because, I mean, I love talking football, but it means you've had to sit here talking to me for hours upon hours, probably days of your lives talking about it. But we've had a lot of fun doing it. So we're going to end off the last 10 minutes. We're going to run through some of our highs and lows of the season. And, and, and um, these don't have to be official. I just want your favorites, the things that you remember when you uh, look back on this season because there's been so much to try and uh, try and digest over the last eight to nine months or so. So, John, your favourite defining moment um, from the 2021 season uh, that we've enjoyed? I have to go with Alisson's header. I think that's a defining moment for Liverpool in terms of making Champions League football. Um, Just the storyline behind it, you know, what he went through this season with his dad passing away in January. You know, you can just imagine how hard it was for him and uh, and his family. And, to, to uh, you know, you, you can't write a script like that. You can't write that a goalkeeper is going to go score a goal like that with everything on the line. I just think, you know, I got emotional watching it and watching his interview after the game. And um, I just think that was brilliant. And, uh, and obviously, he deserved it. But also, Liverpool, for what they've been through this season, you know, that, that's a, a massive story for them. Yeah, look, for, for me, not so much a defining moment, but a moment that, that sits in my head uh, throughout the course season was when Klopp conceded the title. I thought, you know, obviously wanting to, to go and, and do back-to-back, but that moment when he, in that presser and his emotions that were on his face and, and conceding that um, the title was gone, I thought for me it was just a moment that sits and like, wow. This is not a defining moment, but it's a defining signing, Diaz. As soon as Manchester City signed Diaz, mm-hmm. That was it. The title was there. You, did, you didn't know it at first, but yeah. now looking back on it, yeah, you yeah. say that was, yeah. That, that was, I think that was the one. That was the missing link. You know, yeah. everyone talked about them not having a nine. It was that that central, uh, because they threw away a lot of games last season because their defensive frailties. This season, they've been so, so strong, and he's been the reason. Is he your yeah. favourite player, or is that? Or is that? Um, I'd, no. I'd be surprised if you're giving me a central defender. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not bridging giving the player of the season to a defender. <laughs> I can't do that. Uh, he's not my favourite player. My favourite player, and and I didn't put him in the starting eleven Premier League eleven, and that was only because the amount of games he started is only sixteen. Is Phil Foden? He's go my on, Johnny. There you go. Yeah. You finally got there. Yes, <laughs> yes. He's my favourite player to watch. Every time he gets the ball, something happens. He's just so good on the ball. He scored more goals under the age of twenty-one um, than any other player for Pep Guardiola, and that's including Messi. Uh, he's scored, I think, thirty now, and it's it's incredible. He's not even a, an attacking attacking he's, player. He's not even in Johnny's starting eleven for the Premier League. You can only started sixteen games. He does can't get in a, there. Does that make you a social influencer, Luke? That your pressure on John on Instagram has made no, him leap from no, outside. Didn't put pressure on me. Didn't put pressure on me. You know, and and what a goal that he scored the other day as well. Oh. That, that was that was phenomenal. That's, that's what I was saying. And, and he's he's mine. He's mine. I, I you know I love love to watch him play. Um, for me, he's the English Messi. And I think oh, I can't wait for these Euros to see him really shine on the international stage in a, in a massive tournament and really, uh, you know, not that he hasn't marked himself to, to the world of football, but really do it on, on that big international tournament stage. So, yeah, Phil Foden, fantastic. Carry on. Yeah. You know what? You know you're watching something special. And we watch a lot of sport, watch a lot of football, 
Um, and, and it can sometimes all warp into one. You see Phil Foden and you know, this is a guy who's, who's got the goods and we're going to be enjoying him for, for quite a while too. And he's had to prove himself through a really um, intense environment that Pep Guardiola's put him through to make sure that he proves his bona fides and, he, and he's done exactly that. Um, Storyline, John, that we'll look back on. You guys have hinted Liverpool is already, you know, that's a strong theme for you already. Um, they're, they're highest to the lows of this season and back up again. So what, what's your favourite storyline of the season? Our favourite storyline would probably be, you have to say that the way Manchester City started the season, you would never have thought they'll go and win the title like they have and and convincingly and easily. Um, I think when they went all those games in a row winning, you know, it was a record um, that, you know, I thought that was phenomenal. So that that was probably the storyline in terms of how Pep was able to turn that season around because that's not easy. When you're going through a bad stage, it, it just seems like it's not going to be your year. Um, you know, it, it's easy to, to, to actually fall into the trap that things are going against you. He turned it around and, uh, and in what a way. So that was probably the storyline for me, the way that they were able to turn their season around. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go, go out, on the, out on a limb and I'm going to say Newcastle United going to throw it out there, Johnny, the 14 points from their last eight games, I think beating the likes of, of Leicester, uh, West Ham, Burnley, Sheffield United, a draw against Liverpool, uh, Steve Bruce, uh, even with Callum Wilson missing the majority of those games um, to bring them to safety. You know, we're looking always at the top end, but to bring them to safety the way they did um, and just wonder, can they take that form into next year and be challenging for Europe? Oh, big call. Can they? Can they? <laughs> can Steve Bruce do it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Moving along. Um, now, and, and we touched on them earlier uh, in the podcast, West Ham. West Ham, what a story. Yeah. What a story. That's probably the biggest surprise for me, West Ham uh, doing what they've been doing. I, I, that, that, that was a massive shock because I, I actually picked them fighting relegation at the beginning of the season because of the way they were in that fight last season. So what a story that is as well. So Newcastle aren't backing it up, but West Ham? Uh, back it up like they have this season. That, that's, that's a hard one. But he was doing that year in, year mm-hmm. out with Everton. So, uh, you know, yeah, you wouldn't put true. it past that's, Moyes. That's very true. He does have that. That's, if, he's, if he can keep that core yeah. together and bring in one or two good signings, then there's no reason why they can't. Hang on to Lingard. Biggest surprise for you, Luke? Biggest surprise? Oh, Look, I've, I've been biggest disappointment. I'd like to put it is, is Arsenal and Arteta. Mm-hmm. I think um, mm-hmm. you know the expectation of him going there um, and what he's actually produced um, and the Arsenal squad and the inconsistencies. Although they still have the opportunity to to finish on a high. Um, what was it? What, what is it again? The conference? Yeah, the conference league. <laughs> the Vauxhall Conference I'm being League. Careful Vauxhall not conference. to say the Farmers League. I'm being so careful. <laughs> I just said it. So, so look, if, if they to get into that, they'll probably look at it and go, you know what? There's some positives there to build on, but I think they've been a disappointment for me. I, and I keep waiting for them to come back and that free flow and Arsenal that are, that are entertaining and that you want to you want to watch their games. You know, at the moment, they're, they're not a team that that I'm going to wake up to watch. Even more disappointing has been the whole Spurs scenario and the whole Spurs season, the way that's fallen away. You know, the, all, all the hype about Spurs at the beginning of the season in terms of Mourinho and uh, they're doing that prime 
um, what, what was it, that documentary that they ended up doing that everyone loved and everyone goes, oh, he's a Mourinho great and, you know, Spurs are going to have a great season. They started the season really well, playing some amazing football, smashing Man United, Kane on fire, Son on fire. You thought, oh, this is going to be a season that they're going to actually fight for Champions League football. Oh, that's been a disappointment. The way that season's panned out and the way it's looking now, not only this season, for next season. It's a disaster for them. When you put it like that, it's easy to figure out what a cliff they've fallen off. That, that, how, how top of the table at one stage of the year, looking like the Mourinho machine was, you know, back. Um, but wow, it has just completely fallen apart. Um, the, the youngster that you guys enjoy watching, is there a different one to Phil Foden or does he take your, your prize for, for this one? Well, Phil Foden, of course. I think um, there's a few other good ones. I think Grealish, when he's back fit, um, exciting to watch. I, I would love to see whether he will in, in the near future go to one of the bigger clubs um, and really kick on. I think he's, you know, he's obviously a, a big fish in a small pond, you could say, at Aston Villa. Um, does he have the capabilities to, to step up and to go to one of the big four, five, six clubs um, and be playing European football? So he's, he's one for me to keep an eye on. Look, there's so many exciting young players that the English uh, national team and uh, and uh, and the nation are producing. You know, you you've got uh, even Mason Greenwood, you know, Man United, the the goals that he's able to score. And and I can't go past Full Foden, but I'm going to go left field because we're not just the Premier League uh, talking about Premier League. We're talking about European football, but he's still English. Is Jude Bellingham? What a season he's had. You know, that he's the one for me that could go kick on and become one of the all-time great midfielders. You know, he can play anywhere along that midfield. He can play in an attacking position, can play or defensive position. 17 years old, how mature he is. I, I would actually go out on a limb and start him in the Euro. I, I actually think he's that good. Uh, I, I love watching him. I think he's had a, 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 well, he has had a breakout season. You know, he, he did do well with Birmingham, but who would have expected him to do that, what he's done? Winning a trophy with Dortmund, um, making Champions League football with Dortmund, he will get picked for the Euro uh, Euros. It just depends whether they will start him, but um, I think that he's one that will kick on. Whether Southgate has the uh, guts, might be even, it might even be the right word, guts to, to pick a 17-year-old in his starting midfield. And that is a nice little park plug, John, because we will be going through in the next three weeks or so, uh, your 11s. And when we preview the Euros comprehensively and the Copa America comprehensively, you'll see all that material on the Optusport app and social channels and, and uh, written section. There will be a lot of preview material to get stuck into, including what the England 11 does end up looking like. Um, what about the Euros? What, what about um, Benzema? He's back. That's right. that's that's a story in itself. You know that, that's been incredible. Six year exile, and he's now finally. Has it been six years? It's been that long, really? Two thousand and fifteen, oh. and the the, the worst is that the actual um, the, the 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 videotape, the sex tape scandal that uh, he allegedly was involved in blackmailing, you know, Valbuena, a former teammate. Is the trial still pending? Mm. It's 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 in October. So there's there's you know what he's been able to do in terms of still performing at uh, for Real Madrid. Um, all that's gone on the chaos in France. Should he get picked? The champ, you know, he's won a World Cup without him. Um, 
I, I have to say well done to Deschamps because, you know, he, he's obviously had a grudge or, or had something against Benzema, but he knows that he needs him to go do well in the Euro. And that just, for me, puts him down as favourites. It's funny. I think Deschamps was on principle and he had a grudge. He wasn't going to pick him. He wasn't going to pick him. And I wonder when – we all wax lyrical about France's depth, A, B, C teams. But I wonder when he sat down, push comes to shove and went, oh, I don't want to play Giroud again. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just couldn't, for sporting reasons, you what just do you reckon, Johnny? Benzema, Benzema Giroud. Well, you know the thing is with Giroud, Giroud does well for France. And, and Giroud, you know, and whenever I love Giroud, he plays And I love Giroud as a yeah. Chelsea, as a Chelsea but, fan. But you cannot start him in every game at the Euro if he's hardly played football this season. You know, he'll, he'll probably still get selected. Would, but would how, you start how him? awkward is that going to be? You know, if you've got Benzema, would you start him at all? Of course not. No, 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 no. You, you, Benzema, if, if he's selecting Benzema, he's starting. It's 100% that's what's going to happen. And and just what a front three you're going to have. You know, Benzema, you have Mbappe on the left and on the right, you can have Dembele, you can have Komen, you can have whoever you want. Uh, Griezmann just behind. Griezmann. You know, it's, it's, it's an amazing team that they've got. And I just hope that Deschamps allows them to play a little bit because yeah. he's, he's very defence-minded as well. John, you're, you're wetting our appetite for when we talk about the Euros and we preview it in the coming, uh, coming weeks. So I think we're also going to include, will Benzema, take them to the unplayable level or will that add some you know some interesting tension or dynamic to the squad you know that's a very big part of the conversation as well um more squad news coming out thursday is the uh, recall of matt summels and thomas muller i mean common sense by yogi Lowe. how can he how can he be putting them out to pasture but they are back for germany too they will all form part of the discussion and if you haven't guessed yet we're just a little bit excited for the euros and copper america on optus sport but first we have the business of the premier league final day the europa league final and the champions league final to get through by the time you hear from us next on the gagapod we will know the fight the winners of the europa league we will know the final play in the Premier League as well. Gents, thanks so much for joining us. We crammed a lot in today, but there is a lot going on in the world of football. Uh, thanks again for your time as ever. I had a great time. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Dave. thanks, Luke. See you later. And to everyone out there as ever, and more than ever, with all so much to play for, until the next episode of The Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. 